Well, welcome to the City Church. If it's your first time joining us, we are honored that you're here and visiting us today. Welcome those of you watching online or one of our Hope City locations. We're pumped you're joining us right now as well. I grew up in a family with four boys. I was the oldest of four boys. And so if you're thinking, man, I need to pray for your mom, like bless her heart, that would be an accurate response, okay? Yes, you need to pray for my mother. With four boys, we did all the sports, right? We did football, basketball, baseball, track, like we did everything, all four of us did everything that you could possibly do sports-wise. And so I'm sure you can imagine, like our family was busy, right? We were going from one thing to the next, like after school, to this practice, to this game, to this practice, like we were busy. Four boys, especially in baseball, like all the meals that I ate as a child were in that Suburban that my mom drove. Like every single one of them, like Burger King. If you grew up in Lubbock, you know what I'm talking about? Like home plate diner. Oh man, I loved me some home plate diner. Chicken, when I was a kid, it was chicken strips and those curly fries. You get older, then it, it turns into the, the chicken fried steak, right? With those curly fries, man, it was so good. We, we ate us some home plate diner like nearly every night growing up, okay? We, we, we ate most of our meals in the car. And, and my, my guess is, is that if you went and found that Suburban today, you could still find some French fries like hidden all over that car. Like that, that, was, our, that was our life. Most of us, can probably relate to just the, the craziness, the busyness of life, the, the going from like one thing to the next and, and then to the next. And in our family, we typically know like when we've been going too crazy because Nixon, my, my youngest child, our daughter, she'll start crying because she's worn out and she will say, I just want to go to bed. And when a child tells you they want to go to bed, right? You know, you've hit your limit. When Nixon has told our family, I wanna go to bed, like we know, like, hey, we've been, we've been going too hard. We've been doing too much. And, and listen, in an environment like that, it's real easy, it's real easy for your marriage to suffer, right? Like when your family just exists for the schedule and going from one thing to the next, it's very easy for your marriage relationship to, to suffer. And so in our house, like our kids go to bed earlier than they probably should or earlier than like their, their friends do, right? That they, they go to bed, or we do that on purpose, not necessarily for them, but for Darby and I so that we can hang out, so that we can talk, so that we can do other stuff, you're right? So our kids go to bed early, like for our sake, like for our relationship, so that we can talk, so that we can hang out, so that we can spend time together. A, a week ago, just in the craziness and the busyness of life, Darby and I, we were like, we gotta go on a date night. Like we try to make that a regular thing in our marriage. And so a week ago, like in the busyness and the craziness of life, we went on a date and just had the best time. Otherwise, here's what happens. Like, like if you don't make time, if you don't stop spinning all the plates and you don't make time for your relationship, here, here's what can begin to happen. You just become roommates and each has their own schedule. And the point of the marriage begins to be making the schedule happen. Like your marriage just kind of can begin to exist for the sake of the schedule. And you, you didn't get married for the schedule, right? You didn't get married to spin plates. That, that wasn't the reason you got married in the first place. But, but if we're not careful, like the, the marriage can be again to, to begin to be about everything but each other and just exist to spin plates. And your marriage implodes. Because you didn't get married to spin plates. You, you got married because you, you loved each other and you liked being together. You see, we have to intentionally fight this busyness, this hecticness, this, this, we have to intentionally fight those things and get away from the spinning of the place and spend time together for the sake of the relationship. We, we've got to choose what's better, time together. I'm going to say that again. In the busyness and the craziness of life, we, we've got to choose what's better, time together. Together, and, and the same thing happens in our relationship with Jesus. We can spin plates 
and miss Jesus. I got, I got work going. I got sports going, right? I, I've got my, 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 my family, my, my kids, right? All of these different places are, are spinning. And if we're not careful, we can miss Jesus. And so in, in a world, in a culture, especially in our country, where we are spinning so many plates and driving ourselves crazy, like we've got as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, to choose what's better, and that's time together with Jesus. We're diving back into our Luke series, the Gospel of Luke. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, or even if you do have your Bible, open our app, it's called the City Church Lubbock. Download it in your app store, and the verses and the points and everything we're gonna be talking about, but we're diving back in. We're in Luke chapter 10 today. We're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the Gospel of Luke, and we just believe that studying the Scripture in this way develops a, a deeper faith, a deeper trust in God, a deeper love for God, a deeper commitment to the mission of Jesus. This past week, I saw a study called the state of theology in our country. It's done by Legionnaire Ministries and Lifeway. Uh, they, they work together to put out this study. It's called the state of theology. And, and in this study, I saw this past week that quote unquote evangelicals, 43% of them believe that Jesus is a good teacher, but he wasn't God. And that 26% of quote-unquote evangelicals believe that the Bible has a lot of good stories, but it's not literally true. Listen, those two things are heresy. It means you're not an evangelical. Like, you can claim to be something all day long, but if you don't believe that Jesus is God, you're not an evangelical. You're not even a Christian if you don't believe that Jesus is God. And so somewhere along the way, like we've missed it in our, in our country. And, and part of the reason I believe that we've missed it is over the last 50 years, churches have been more concerned with entertainment and inspiration than they have been about teaching theology and the, the scripture. And so, so to combat this, we have specifically felt called, we're, we're going to lean in and we're going to go all the way with, with teaching the scripture verse by verse and making sure that you're not just entertained or, or inspired, but you actually know Jesus and you know his word and you know what you believe and you know why you believe it. Jesus said we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and our soul and our strength, but he also said you're gonna love the Lord your God with all of your mind. You're gonna love the Lord your God with all of your mind. And so we're gonna study the word of God and we're gonna know what we believe and know why we believe it because sometimes your heart, let's just be honest, like your heart, the passion, the desire, the emotion, the fits, just sometimes it's not there. One of those plates that you were spinning has fallen. Life has sucker punched you in the gut and you don't feel like it, and your experience is gonna cause you to begin to question the truth about God or truth from God's word. Maybe because you haven't been loving the Lord your God with all of your mind and developing that deeper faith and that deeper trust and that deeper love for God, that deeper understanding that, that comes from studying the scripture in context, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And so we're inviting you to study the gospel of Luke this week, not just here in these moments together, but this coming week through our daily devotionals on our app under the Bible study tab, Monday through Friday, we're gonna break these same verses down, uh, more commentary and prayer points and application. We're, we're challenging you to study the gospel of Luke in your family. Like if you're married and you have kids, if you have roommates, you can use the, the, the table talk which is on the Bible study tab under our app where you can gather around a lunch table, a dinner table and discuss what you learned today and what God has been speaking to you today through the gospel of Luke because your kids and our students right now are going to study these exact same verses today. And the table talks are great resources to help you connect about what you learned today and what God is saying to you as a family through his word. And then in our groups this week, we're gonna talk about these same verses and pray about these same verses. I want to remind you of our hope, our prayer in this series is to get to know the real Jesus, right? Not, not progressive Jesus and not conservative Jesus, but the real Jesus. And the only way you're going to get to know the real Jesus and not some mean version of Jesus or the progressive Jesus or the conservative, the only way you're going to get to know the real Jesus is if you study the scripture. 
verse by verse, in context, and you get to know the real Jesus. And here's what Paul said about getting to know the real Jesus. He said, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul said, there is nothing better than getting to know the real Jesus than following Jesus and knowing Jesus. There's nothing in this world that compares or that is better than knowing Jesus, than knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything else is a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of Jesus. And so it's in the gospel of Luke, it's in this study that we're praying that you're gonna fall in love with Jesus maybe for the first time, or you're gonna fall in love with Jesus all over again because there is nothing better than getting to know Jesus. Here's where we left off in Luke chapter We left off with Jesus sending his disciples out to go and make disciples. They come back. They're reporting everything that they've done. Then Jesus gets this question from this religious lawyer who's asking him about what it takes to get into heaven. And they talk about the the first and greatest, second greatest commandment. I'm going to love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. And remember that lawyer says, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus starts talking about this good Samaritan that that loves his neighbor and serves his neighbor who who is nothing like him. And so here's where we've been. Jesus has been talking about disciples making disciples and disciples serving and being good neighbors and all this is good and great. But then for some sovereign reason, God puts this passage right after those two. And you can't miss it because God has a sovereign providential reason for putting these verses right after these passages about making disciples and being a good neighbor. And, and here's some reasons why I think. Number one, it's because serving is great, but, but sitting is even better. W- working is great. You, you work this past week, you're gonna go to work this next week. W- working is great. It's a, it's a good plate to spend. There's nothing wrong with it in and of itself. Work, working is great, but worship, worship is better. And, and, and going is great. Like you're gonna go, go, go this week. Like I, I know it. Like because you, you, you live in this country and you have kids and you have a child. Like you're gonna go, go, go this week. Like I, we already know that. Going is great, but, but grace, oh, grace is so much better. Going and producing and serving and expending yourself for the glory of God and for the sake of your family. Like, those things are great. But sitting, worshiping, grace, grace, receiving what you, you cannot earn, re- receiving what you did not work for, receiving what you were not owed, like grace, grace is even better. And so turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Verses will be on the screen. Jennifer Gwynn, Pastor Brandon's wife, is gonna come and read for us. Would you stand in honor of the word of the Lord as we dive into 38 through verse 42. Good morning, my name is Jennifer, and like Clayton said, I'm married to Brandon, and we have three kids. I currently serve in the kids' ministry, and me and Brandon lead a city group. Luke 10, 38 through 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Thank you, Jennifer. You may be seated. Some translations say this, Mary, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Mary has chosen one thing, but you are worried and upset about many things. You're distracted with many things, but Mary, some translations say Jesus, Jesus says this in some translations, Mary has chosen what is better, time together. Mary has chosen what is better. I I love that. Some of you are like Martha Stewart over here, right? Like, go, 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 serve, 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 work, 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 right? You're like Martha Stewart. Others of you, you're like, you're more like Mary. 
Maybe you're the typical older sibling who's driven and organized. You're more of the type A, that, that's, that's Martha. Mary's the typical younger sibling who's more social, the type B, according to Martha, lazy, right? That, that would be Martha's view of Mary. Mary is annoying to Martha. She's the typical younger sibling, the, the social butterfly, whereas Martha's the driven hard worker. And the driven hard worker is always annoyed by the younger sibling who is the social butterfly. That's the way it was in, in, in my house between Travis and I. I was the oldest. Travis was number two. Justin was number three. Jordan was number four. And, and Travis, especially growing up, like he, he just annoyed me. I was the type A guy. He was the type B. I was driven and more serious. He was the goof off, right? And I, I, I was the harder worker. He was, to me, you know, the lazy guy, right? So, so this is like a typical dynamic between an older brother and a younger sister, or an older sibling and a younger sibling. Mary's favorite verse would have been something like this. is the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you, Lord. Martha's favorite verse would have been, faith without works is dead, right? That's, that's more Martha's verse. For Christmas, you're going to get Mary a Psalms journal or uh, another kind of prayer journal. Uh, Martha, you're going to get a crock pot, right? So, so let, me, let me ask you, which are you? How, how many Marthas do we have in the room? Let me see a show of hands. No elbows, okay, from spouses or family members, okay? Any Marys in the room? Let me see a show of your hands, okay? All right, some of you are like, I don't know which one I am. You're Mary, okay? And trust me, if you don't know, just ask a Martha. Marthas know what you are, okay? And they will tell you. If you don't know who you are, a Martha who's organized and driven will tell you. You're a Mary, okay? You need to, you're, you're a lazy bum. You gotta get more stuff done, okay? That, that's that's the, the Martha. A Martha can always tell you what to do. Right, Marthas, right? Just be real, okay? I'm a Martha. A Martha can always tell you what to do. Look with me in verse 38 and 39. It says, Luke says, this is Martha's house. So here's what you gotta understand. What Martha is doing is normal. This is her house. So she's serving and she's preparing the meal. What she is doing is normal. What Mary is doing on the other hand is abnormal, it's weird. Because in this culture, in this day, the women would serve and prepare things while the men would sit at their rabbi's feet <coughs> and learn. And listen as a disciple. But, but what, what Mary is doing here is so weird. It's so abnormal to the culture. It's a totally culture-busting moment here as Mary, a disciple of Jesus, is sitting at his feet as a woman, sitting at the feet of Jesus as a disciple and learning and listening to him and soaking in everything that he has to say as her rabbi, as her Teacher. So what Martha is doing is normal. What Mary is doing is weird and abnormal. And, and I want you just to take note of this because it's still what, what Martha is doing today and what, 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 what Martha is doing in this moment, it's like it's normal today. Like we live in a Martha world. Worried and upset and distracted by many things. This, that's, that's the Martha world. That's the normal day-to-day -day world that you and I exist in. What, what Mary is doing, like stop spinning the plates and stepping away from the normal to hear from Jesus. That would be abnormal. We live in a Martha world. It's normal to be distracted with many things, with many plates. That's a very normal thing. And so in verse 40, Martha wrongly judges Mary's perceived inaction. Do you notice what she said? Look, she's just sitting there. I'm, I'm working, right? I'm slaving away. She's just sitting there. Now, now Mary isn't doing nothing. Now, I know you Martha's in there. You just caught something. You said, that, that's a double negative. You just, Mary isn't doing nothing, right? I, I, it's going to be okay. Just breathe, all right? Mary isn't doing nothing, okay? She, she, she's not sitting there playing Fortnite, right? That's not what she's, she's not, she's not being a lazy bum, no, she, she's doing something. What Mary understands is, yeah, there's things to do. Yeah, there's, there's plates to spin. But first things first, I've got to spend some time. I've got to hear from Jesus. Some translations say that Jesus said this, Mary has chosen the better portion. She's chosen the better portion. And Martha judges Mary for Mary's faithfulness 
to the portion of the mission, to the portion of the kingdom that Mary is called to in that moment. You follow me? Jesus says Mary has chosen the better portion and, and, and Martha in this moment is judging Mary for the portion that Mary is feeling called to. Let, let, let me show you kind of what I mean by this in today's culture. We, we see this happening a lot today, like especially when it comes like in the Christian world to like, let, let's say to missions, like we talked about earlier. Like in the missions world, people will feel called to go to an unreached people group and they might begin to say, well, because I feel called to go, everyone else should feel called to go. And if I'm going, everyone else should go. And if you're not going, then you're not like me. I'm faithful to Jesus because I'm going. And because you're not going, that means you're not faithful to Jesus. No, 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 no. You're being faithful to the portion you've been called to. And it's on every one of us to be faithful to the portion of the kingdom, of the mission that the spirit is leading you to be faithful to. We, we see this a lot of times when it comes to abortion and foster care and adoption. Christians raging about what they're doing and what you should be doing. And because you're not doing what I'm doing, that means you're not being faithful to Jesus or faithful to his word. Like, like some will say, well, if you're not fostering kids, or if you're not adopting kids, then you're not really being faithful to Jesus because everyone must foster and everyone must, some, some people need to, some people need to be faithful to the portion that God has called them to. Some are going to start pregnancy centers and, and some are going to do all kinds of different things. But what we've seen, especially in our country over the last few years is people screaming and yelling because you're not doing everything they think you should be doing in order to be faithful to Jesus and faithful to his word. And some people are like, I, I'm doing what the Lord has called me to do. Yes, I care about and believe in all of these different initiatives, but I can't do all of them. And so to the person who says, man, you, you gotta go to the unreached people group and you gotta foster kids and you gotta adopt kids or you're not, or you're not really like for, for life, right? You've gotta do this or you're not really for this. Um, well, to that person, I would say, well, well, when's the last time you visited the prisoner? When's the last time you took care of a widow? J James says pure and faultless religion is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water to someone who's poor or homeless, you're, you're, you're feeding me. You're, you're giving me that cup of water. If you visit, visit the prisoner and minister to the prisoner, like you, you were visiting me, you were ministering you know, to, to, to me. If we're not careful, we can, we can begin to say, well, if you're not doing one, Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Right? If you're not doing all the portions, then you're not being faithful to Jesus. You must not love Jesus. You don't really care about what you say you care about because you're not doing every single portion that the church is called to. You've got to be very careful to judge the portion in the kingdom or in the mission that someone, that the, the, the Holy Spirit is leading someone to fulfill, to accomplish. Sure, we care about all these things, but in a faith family, our prayer, our hope, is that as we're all being faithful to the portion that God has called us to be faithful to, that we're accomplishing something huge together, something so much bigger than ourselves. Sure, we should all have a vision, right? And care about the, the, the orphan, the widow, the prisoner, the unreached, right? If the list goes on and on and on. But some of us are gonna feel called to a certain portion and we've gotta be very careful to not judge that portion that that person is being faithful to because that, that, that's, what, that's what Martha is doing here. She's wrongly judging Mary's portion. And she gets upset and she goes and tells on Mary, right? Jesus, Mary's not doing what, she's not helping me. It reminds me when I was little, Travis and I, I was the oldest, he was the next. Travis and I shared a room in our house over on 25th in Indiana. And um, I grew up in that house and we had this room and we had bunk beds. And so we shared this room and it was, you know, always like two boys, like always a mess, beds unmade, you know, all that kind of stuff, dirty clothes everywhere. And so one of those days where our mom told us, hey, you gotta go clean your room, make your beds, do all that, you know, right? And, and so we go into the room, we start cleaning up. And because I'm a typical Martha, 
I'm gonna take advantage of my younger brother, Mary. And I said, hey, bud, um, I did this all the time. Um, why don't you just sit back and relax? And I'll clean up the room. I'll make our beds. Like, I'll do everything. You don't have to worry about it. I'll take care of everything. And so Travis, trusting little heart, God bless him. You know, he would, he'd sit back and relax and play a game or play with some toys or whatever. Well, I worked so hard cleaning that room, right? And then what would I do right when I was done? Mom, I cleaned up the whole room by myself. Travis didn't do anything. Travis gets in trouble. I'm feeling good about myself. Travis is like, what? You told me. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? So, so like typical, like Martha and Mary's situation, like I was telling on him for not doing anything, even though I was the one that like told him, hey, don't, don't worry about it. I would just take advantage of him, right? Just to, just to get him in trouble. I was a really great older brother, as you can see. So it just, it just reminds me of that, of me doing all the work and telling Travis to, to sit back and relax. Look at verse 41. Jesus looks at her and says, Martha, Martha, Martha. Some of you get it. Some of you, you're probably younger. You're like, what? what? I missed it. What's, going, what's happening right now? Does, does Jesus say her name? I, I, I say that for a point. Did Jesus say her name three times? Look, No. He says it twice. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. You see, this form of address is a literary form used to denote intimacy. It would be one thing for Jesus just to say her first name once, but to repeat it is to use a Jewish form of affection and intimacy. Martha's busy, distracted with many things, spinning all these plates judging your sister, calling out Jesus. Jesus responds with affection, with intimacy. He doesn't rebuke her. He responds with love and compassion. Martha assumes her evaluation, her judgment of Mary's choice of priorities was right, but Jesus' refusal to endorse Martha shows that although she was doing valuable work, it wasn't what was most important in that moment. In verse 42, what Mary has done by sitting Jesus' feet, Jesus says, is going to remain with her. Some translations say that this meal that Mary has chosen is going to last. Jesus isn't condemning Martha's activity as much as commending Mary's. He's saying that that. Mary's priorities are in the right order. You see, to disciples of Jesus, Jesus says to you, sit at my feet and devour my teaching. There is no more important meal. Martha's worried about the meal. She's worried about preparing the meal. And Jesus is like, I am the meal. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. And wit, by the way, I happen to be able to make food too. Jesus says, Mary has chosen the right meal. This meal is going to satisfy her. It's going to last. It's going to stick with her. Because when you drink living water, you never thirst again. When you eat from the bread of life, you never go hungry again. Jesus says she's chosen the right meal. And it's going to remain with her. She's chosen what is better. In Revelation, Jesus says to the church at Ephesus through John, that I know your deeds, I know your toil, you're, you're, you're faithful. But Jesus says this to the church of Ephesus in, in Revelation, he says this through John, but you have forgotten your first love. You're working hard, you're toiling, you're spinning all those plates and you're even doing some great things for me. But Jesus says you've forgotten your first love. Martha has forgotten her first love. And so, what happens? What does it look like when you forget your first love? Martha's forgotten her first love. What happens when your schedule, when the plate spinning begins to take priority over your relationship? The Navigators, a discipleship community that's been in our country for quite a long time, say, say this. When your output exceeds your input, your upkeep, the plate spinning, becomes your downfall. 
right? You got to catch this. When your output exceeds, when the, when the, when the going, when the working, right? When the, when the schedule, when the plates exceeds your input, your upkeep, all the, all the plate spinning, all the going, all the work, it becomes your downfall. I can, I can best illustrate it like this. Years ago, the last time I played pickup basketball, because I realized I was getting old and things were hurting the next day that shouldn't be hurting, and because I realized I couldn't do the things I used to be able to do, like cut in the same way without falling to the ground because my knee was like no longer there, right? So, so I, this is the last time I really played pickup basketball. I, I was sweating like crazy. The gym that we were in didn't have air conditioning. There, there were fans blowing, but I was just sweating like crazy, drenched in sweat. And we leave the gym. I'm walking to my car and my body just begins to kind of lock up, like my arms, my legs, everything. Like I, it was almost like I couldn't move and it scared me half to death. I was dehydrated and I never experienced that before but my my whole body just began to to lock up my output had exceeded my input I wasn't drinking enough water I was sweating too much and my whole body just began to almost lock down and I had to like lean against my car and a friend brought me some water and I'm drinking this so that I could even just get in my car to drive my whole body just locked down because my output exceeded my input. So, so what happens when you, when you forget your first love? Well, all you have to do is look at Martha. Number one, she begins to believe wrongly. She starts believing wrongly. She starts believing these lies. She begins to be proud of herself and, and say, like, I'm the only one here doing the will of God. And then she begins to accuse Jesus of not leading rightly and not seeing her. She loses sight of her purpose. She loses the, the heart and the joy of, of serving in ministry. She just starts going through the motions. And when you believe wrongly, it always leads to acting wrongly. When you forget your first love, you, you start believing wrongly, and then you start acting wrongly. Martha becomes controlling and angry. She's judging Mary, demeaning her as if, She's in the will of God and Mary is not in the will of God. And then finally, she, she becomes totally disruptive to the purposes of Christ. I mean, just, just imagine, just picture, like there's all these people over, they're sitting, they're listening to Jesus. Uh, uh, Martha's slaving away in the kitchen. She comes out, she interrupts the meeting. Jesus, don't you see what's going on? I'm in here working. She's sitting here doing nothing. Don't you see what's going on? Literally rebuking Jesus as he's sitting there teaching. Can, can you see this happening? Like just, just picture it for a second. What, what Martha ends up doing is totally making a fool of herself and disrupting everything that Jesus is doing in that moment. She's totally disruptive to the purposes of God. When you forget your first love, you start believing wrongly and then you start acting wrongly. Martha has forgotten her first love. I told you earlier, you know, there's a, there's a lot happening in our family right now. I've got three kids, Levi's in, in, in high school football and at the same time playing uh, fall ball because he wants to play fall baseball because he wants to be on the high school baseball team. My son Coben's in middle school football. Uh, my, my daughter Nixon is in gymnastics and she's doing horseback riding lessons that she got for her birthday. And so that we're, we're doing all those things uh, right now. When it comes basketball season, my son will probably play basketball. When baseball hits, like both of my boys are going to be in, in baseball, probably high school baseball, club baseball, right? All of those things. Like there's a lot going on in our family all the time. We're spinning a lot of plates just like you. I'm right here with you. But a week ago, as Darby and I will often do, because of all the plate spinning, but because our relationship doesn't exist to spin plates, it, it exists for each other. We were like, we, we, gotta, we gotta get away from all this. We gotta go and spend some time together. And so we, we went on this date and we, we sat together and ate dinner together and we sat and talked and laughed for over a couple of hours. And it was just one of those moments where like we're looking at each other, we're talking, we're laughing, we're connecting. And it was just like we were back in high school, like talking all through the night on the phone. 
It was incredible. It's just one of those moments where you're like, you, you see all over again like what you love about your wife or your husband and why you loved each other and why you got married in the first place. That's what those moments can do. You see, time with your first love enables you to properly enjoy all the second loves. Time with your first love enables you to properly enjoy all those second loves. But ultimately, ultimately, like, like here's what Darby and I see in those moments and here's what we see in this moment with Mary and Martha with Jesus, right? But, but, but ultimately, here, here's what it's all about. Ultimately, the relationship is the reward. Ultimately, it's the, that, that relation, that the marriage relationship or with Jesus, it's that relationship with Jesus. It's the relationship that is the reward. And, and Mary gets that. Like, she gets it. Like, I, I'm here to meet with Jesus. Y yeah, my, my second love's gonna help me properly enjoy all the second loves in my life. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. But, but ultimately, it's the relationship itself that is the reward, that's why we said this at the beginning, serving is great, but sitting is better. So serving Jesus is great, but sitting with Jesus, oh, that's even better. Working is great. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna work, we're gonna make money, right? We're gonna, we're gonna be a blessing to it. We're gonna save and give and spend, like we're gonna do all those things. Working is great, but, but worship, worship is so much better. Going, you're going to go, go, go this week. Going is great, but, but grace, like, yeah, we're going to work, we're going to produce, we're going we're gonna to go, we're going to expend ourselves for the glory of God and the, and the good of our family, right? We're, we're going we're gonna to go, we're going to expend ourselves, like in, in the best ways as a worship to God, but, but grace, like receiving what you didn't work for, that's even better. Like, like understanding I can serve and work and, and go, but, but, but in all of my effort and in all of my strength and doing better and trying harder, like in all of that, none of that compares to grace, receiving what I did not work for, what I do not deserve, what, I, what I'm not owed. Like grace is so much better. You, you need the grace and mercy of God because you can't do it on your own. And so we need, we need grace. We need mercy, the, the, the help, the, the miraculous, like multi multiplicative, like answers and miracles and production that comes like in the grace of God. When he does for you what you, what you could never do for yourself. When he accomplishes for you what you could never accomplish. Like that, that, that's, that's grace, receiving what you did not work for where you ought not own. Martha, Martha wants to hear Jesus too. She wants to hear Jesus too. But the tyranny of the urgent, the tyranny of production has prevented her from doing this. She's a slave to many things, Jesus said. But watch this, your commitment, here's what we learned from Mary. Your commitment to the one thing will enable you to be a master over and not a slave under the many things. Your, your commitment to the one thing, to, to Jesus, to, to sitting, to worship, to, to, to receiving grace, like, your commitment to the one thing, to that relationship, the relationship is the reward. Like your commitment to that one thing will enable you to be a master over and not a slave under the many things. And you know, this is what Sabbath has always been about. In the old covenant, Sabbath was celebrated on a Saturday. It was a day of rest. It's a day of trusting that, that I'm gonna rest and I'm actually gonna accomplish more by resting and trusting in God that I could ever do on my own. It was a day of 
remembering that everything I have and that I've received has come from God. It was a day of, it was a day of worship. It was a day of rest. And in the new covenant, Sabbath was changed to Sundays because of our risen savior rising from the grave on a Sunday, the, the, the new covenant community, the early church, they began to worship or Sabbath on Sundays. And, and somewhere along the way in our Martha world, we've lost touch with Sabbath. With, with a refusal to spin plates. And to meet with God. Like, like somewhere along the way in our Martha world, we have totally lost touch with Sabbath. The point of Sabbath is rest, rest from work, rest from making something of ourselves, rest from producing, rest from going, rest from control, rest from effort. Sabbath is a reminder that our work is always going to remain incomplete. Sabbath is a reminder that presence is better than production. Sabbath is a reminder that we are not God, but that we need God. Sabbath is a reminder of the deeper rest we need in Christ. Time away, vacation, naps, right? Thank you, Jesus, for naps and time away and vacation. Listen, all that is is a picture of the deeper rest. It, it's, a, it's an unfulfilling and satisfying rest. It's a, it's a, a rest that does not last, that, that points to the rest that does last and that we do need in Christ. Sabbath is a reminder that the relationship is the reward. This past spring, our small group, our city group met and we were going over the verses and the message from that week and I could just tell that everyone was weighed down. Everyone was stressed, everyone was anxious, everyone was tired, everyone was overwhelmed with all the plates spinning. And so we just stopped, and had everybody bow their heads and close their eyes and let's just, let's just pray. And so we just sat there in silence for a little bit. I just kind of led us through this time of prayer with some scripture. And, and it was like, as we sat there, just even in silence, the grace of God like was felt and experienced as those weights, as those plates were kind of taken out of our hands. And you kind of feel like God is taking God is lifting this weight and, and the tears just began to flow. Prayed, we sat there. I said, amen. People were looking up, wiping the tears away from their eyes. And it really was like that weight had been lifted and it was like every person went around and just said, man, I, I needed that so much. I needed that. I, I need the, the, the grace of God, the, the, the presence of God. Like I, I need him. In Luke chapter 18, verse 14, Jesus has been talking about these different seeds. It's the word of God, the gospel that, that is cast out over all these different soils. And, and Jesus talks about this, this one seed that falls among these thorns. And, and, it, and I want you to remember like that they're described as thorns. And he said that the seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, they hear the word of God, but all too quickly, the message, look, look at this word, is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. The, the cares and the riches and the pleasures are all, are all plates that, that we spin and none of them are, are bad or like sinful in and of themselves. But Jesus said that the word of God can be like drowned out and crowded out and choked out by all the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. They do not flourish. They do not grow. They don't experience the, the peace and the fulfillment and the satisfaction and the joy that comes from the word of God taking root 
and taking over and growing you and maturing you into this flourishing disciple. And Jesus said, the reason that doesn't happen for some of us is because all the many things in this life that we get distracted by. And so my guess is, if you're like me, some of you are choking. You're tired, you're, you're plate spinning. And all those plates are crowding out your joy in Christ your peace in Christ. We live in a Martha world. And whether you realize it or not, you are desperate for merry moments. The Martha world is normal. The merry moments are abnormal. Meaning you're gonna have to choose what most are not doing, just like Mary did. You're gonna have to choose what most are not doing in order to experience what everyone else is really longing for. So you're going to have to choose better. Time together. Time together with Jesus. Get your Bible this week. Get our app. Get away from everything. Stop spinning some plates. And spend some time with God this week. Years ago, when my daughter Nixon was a toddler, I would put her to bed every night and we'd go through this routine of saying goodnight and kisses and hugs and singing songs and all this kind of stuff. And I'd lay with her as she went to bed. And if you've had little kids, you know, like if you lay next to them, they'll put their arm over you or their leg over you or their head on you or something so that if you start to try to get out of bed, right? They, they feel you and they wake up. It's their way of trapping you, okay? And so Nixon would do this. I would lay next to her, she'd start falling asleep and she'd put her leg over me or arm over me or she'd lay her head on me, you know, whatever. And I'd try to start, you know, kind of gently slipping out of the bed, you know, so that she could go to sleep. And, and if she would wake up, and she did oftentimes when I was trying to get out of that bed, she would wake up and she would say, one more minute. And I remember just the, the thinking in my mind, so many of those nights, like I've got stuff to do, I've got work to do, there's a game on, all kinds of different things. And I would say, yeah, yeah, you know, get back in bed, kind of with her, wait till she's kind of falling asleep again, try to slip out. She'd wake back up, dad, one more minute. She wanted that minute because in my presence, in the presence of her father, she felt safe. And it was in the presence of her father where she could actually rest. Would you pray with me? right where you're at, I just want you to listen. And just hear Jesus calling out your name twice. Dusty, Dusty. Laura, Laura. Fred, Fred. Bree, Bree. Adam, Adam. Jackie, Jackie. Landon, Landon. David, David. Greg, Greg. You just hear Jesus calling your name out twice. And with compassion and with love, 
with care, with concern. Saying maybe you've been worried, maybe you've been anxious, stressed and distracted by many things. But every last one of you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you just hear in this moment, it's this one thing It's your commitment to this one thing that's gonna help you see the other things rightly. It's this one thing that's gonna help you tackle the other things. It's this one thing that's gonna enable you to enjoy the many things. It's this one thing, it's this this relationship. It is the reward and, and it's why you're on this planet. Jesus said, eternal life is about knowing you, Father and your son whom you have sent. It's why you're on this planet. It's to enter into this rest. It's only possible through Jesus. And some of you are here and you're stressed and you're worried and you're you're anxious and you're fearful because you've never entered into this rest. You've never entered into the the peace of God, this friendship with God through Jesus Christ. And and, and it's because you're at war with God. And and there's fear and there's doubt about what might happen to you when you die. And, And it's because you've never given your life to Jesus in the first place. You never trusted in Jesus' payment of your fine through his death on the cross. And and you've never given your life to Jesus, trusting that he is God and that three days later after the cross, he rose from the grave. And so you've never entered into this relationship to begin with. And so you've never entered this rest, this peace, this better portion. And today I'm just inviting you, give your life to Jesus and enter the rest of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. And your sin is forgiven because of the cross. You're you're made right with God. You can know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. And you can know for sure that you're a child. You're a daughter, you're a son of God. And it's in that place, in that place alone, where there is rest, living water, bread of life. here today and you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, jump on our app, fill out our connect form and let us know that you're giving your life to Jesus today. But God, I just pray in this moment that by the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would lift the weights, you would take over the plates. That we might rest in the safety in the comfort, in the rest of Jesus.